You're listening to the Nature Talks podcast, a podcast about education and connecting learners of all ages with the outdoors and nature. My name is Kevin O'Shea and I'm your host. I'm an early years educator with a passion for connecting kids and adults with the outdoors. I'm a passionate naturalist who spends as much time as I can exploring nature, learning about plants, birds, and bugs, and then sharing my amazing experiences with others. In each episode of the Nature Talks podcast, we'll have conversations with people making education connections with students and nature. More than any other time in history, we need to be sparking a passion for conservation and sustainability with the young and old alike. In this podcast, we'll talk to educators, students, scientists, and citizens making a difference in the world today. Sit back and get ready to learn something new and exciting about nature education. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Nature Talks podcast. It's Kevin here again, and this week we've got a fascinating talk with uh, the primary principal of the International School of Phnom Penh in Cambodia, Liz Ford. Um, she stopped by the podcast to tell us all about the amazing projects that are going on at ISPP, and um, it's it's a pretty great interview, and she talks about some pretty amazing things that are happening down there in Phnom Penh. So uh, sit back. Get ready for a fantastic interview and learn about a school that's doing some really incredible things to be sustainable and practice conservation. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Nature Talks podcast. And in this episode, I'm very fortunate to have uh, with us guest Liz Ford of the International School of Phnom Penh. Liz, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. I feel really honored. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, we're, we're a new podcast, but we've got some great things we, we've done so far and we're going to do in the future. And I'm really happy that you've taken the time to stop by the podcast and tell us about some of the amazing things that are happening at the International School of Phnom Penh. Um, but before we jump into that, I was wondering if you could just um, take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your current context in education. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I'm Liz. I am uh, currently in in, uh, Cambodia, obviously, Phnom Penh, beautiful country, beautiful city, originally from England. Um, I grew up in the countryside. Um, My family are all avid gardeners. You know, family meals would often be sharing, you know, discussions about, oh, I've got a cutting of this. How's your cutting? You know, Everyone in my family is a gardener, and I feel a little bit of a fraud because I'm probably the only member who's not a gardener, and here I am talking to you. (laughs) But, um, yeah, we grew up eating our own vegetables, and um, most of my family continue to live that kind of life. My brother is actually totally self-sufficient, but that's a story for another podcast. Um, I've lived overseas in education longer than I ever lived in the UK, so... I've lived all all around the world. Um, My children have never lived in the UK. They now both uh, live in in Europe, one in Portugal, one in uh, the UK. um, But I have always been passionate about environmental education. And so here in Cambodia, um, in our school, we're kind of like a little pocket of greenness in a very dry, dusty city that's beautiful, but very much lacks greenery. Uh, the countryside outside of Cam- uh, outside of Phnom Penh City is is beautiful and very very green. It's a city that, um, as you probably know, there was a horrific uh, there, there there was a war which was only forty years ago, and pretty much most of the city was 
destroyed. It's it's uh, it's building back up again, but the city planning has not really been very strategic. I am seeing quite a bit more green parks emerging and places for children to play. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Phnom Penh, dry, dusty city, beautiful nonetheless, and ISPP, our school, is a little... I would say it's a little oasis of greenness. Um, Most of the action that's taken place in the school has been student driven. So, you know, there's there's been some very passionate educators, but it's it comes from the children. Yeah, that's uh, well, an interesting thing that I want to get into later, which seems to be a theme. Not just in podcast episodes, but just when I have conversations with my own colleagues and friends who are passionate about environmental education is often about who drives these different things and and who who can we lead to drive them, especially with, you know, in the context of international education, obviously, it can sometimes be a bit of a revolving door when it comes to faculty. Um, You know, I myself have been in Asia. This is my... 20th year now I'm coming up in just a few weeks so I'll have my 20th anniversary of, of coming to Asia to teach and um, you know I've, I've been at some schools for a, a fairly long time but others not so long um, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah I was wondering like to backtrack a little bit of, of, about ISPP International School of Phnom Penh could you tell us a little bit about your school I have to admit you know I am familiar with of course a little bit about the, you know, I'll say cursory knowledge of the history of of Cambodia, um, you know, and 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 the kind of trials and tribulations it's gone through as a country. But um, I'm sure most people, well, I have to admit, I'm, I am pretty ignorant um, about Cambodia and, and and Phnom Penh itself. So, can you tell us a little bit about the school? Um, you know, how long has it been in in Phnom Penh? Uh, roughly, you know, kind of like the student-based population, how many people are there, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the school's actually been in existence for about 32 years, 32, 33. We had our 30th anniversary a couple of years ago. Let's say 32, 33 years. It started off um, with sort of like 10 children whose parents oh, wow. worked for the UN NGOs. And we now have 900, the exact oh, wow. amount, around 950 students um, from three years to 18. It's a three-program IB school. Um, it's the, there's a number of international schools in, in Phnom Penh, but okay. um, we, we are, you know, we are the most international in terms of our student body. We have about 52 nationalities wow, nice. and we have, uh, we have a cap. So we can't have any more than 30% of any one nationality. Oh really? Okay. Um, yeah, so that keeps the international, the international mix going. Our faculty is pretty diverse as well. Um, we moved to this new campus. So the original school was a lot of old villas in the centre of the city, mm. and we've got this amazing and beautiful new campus now, which is just on the outside of the city. Okay. Although to give you perspective, I live bang in the centre, and it takes me ten minutes to get here. Oh, okay. It's not a very big city. Okay. And uh, yeah. Uh, what else is there? Yeah, it's, it's like I said before, it's very much a green oasis here. We have, it's beautiful. I wish I could actually take you outside for a walk around. It's beautiful. And uh, we do we do have a lot of students who are passionate about the environment. And uh, so we're very fortunate. Great. Well, okay, well, that leads us right into, you know, what I'm, I'm curious about. I mean, um, 
you know, there seems to be a lot of great sustainability initiatives going on at your school. And you said student driven. So um, tell us, uh, tell the, 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 the Nature Talks podcast listeners a little bit about the wonderful things that are happening at ISPP. So I would say originally a lot of the action came from the students. You know, elementary students often a little bit more, um, how to say, um, myopic in, you know, they don't see the big picture. It's like, this is wrong, so we must change yeah. it. So they, they took a few initiatives um, as a result of action from some of their units of inquiry. We're, we're a PYP school. And it ended up some of them like banning plastic became it got to the board level, uh, the board of governors. And now environmental action is looking after our environment is one of the pillars of our strategic plan. So the sustainability of it is embedded in the fact that it is something we have to do as a school. So so that helps us. We are officially an equal school. Um, we got our green flag a couple of years ago. We're up for renewal at the moment. Um, I'd say it's been a journey because we have to change some people's, not just their behaviours, but you know they have to believe that what they're doing can make a difference. Mm. Um, so I think the first thing that we did that was huge is we are a single-use plastic-free campus, which sounds like a huge mouthful. But yeah, we have big signs by the gate, single use plastic free campus, huge mouthful. Um, That has taken a little bit of a step back, I will be completely honest, because of COVID. Uh, Um, uh, But, but, you know, there's certain things that we've accepted we can't change right now, such as disposable masks. We have many families and teachers who believe that... um, they need to wear one of the the disposable masks, which our environmental committee are not so happy about, but we're not going to, you know, we're we're not going to force everyone to wear a cloth mask. Absolutely not. So um, what we did is there's an organization here in Cambodia called Plastic Free Cambodia, and they came and they trained all our all our Cambodian staff, such as the, the teaching assistants, the people who work in the office, security, groundsmen, gardeners. And it was a, a two-day training about, about the impact of plastic on our planet. Okay. And that completely changed the way, you know, everyone was coming in with their polystyrene boxes from the food stalls outside. Now, that had a huge impact. One thing that we were very naive about, and um, I feel kind of ashamed about the assumption that we made, is that we felt that the teachers, the educators, did not need this training because they already all knew. So the um, that, that was very stupid on my part. So we actually still had some teachers who were not buying into this. Mm. Um, we banned... Um, the coffee shop. We have a coffee shop here, a little cafe. They were not allowed to sell coffee in plastic cups. Everyone had to bring their own. We started off with a reward card system, did not work. And so then um, one of the children had this great, um, well, not idea, but they pointed out that smoking wasn't banned. You know, smoking ended up having to be banned. And if you can't do it, you can't do it. So let's just ban it. And so we did. We, um, unless you bought your own cup to the coffee shop, you couldn't get a coffee. And um, we bought some, we sold some. So anyone who'd forgotten it could just buy a cheap 
coffee cup. And some people continued to leave them around the campus. So they were swept up, taken back to the coffee shop. So it became a money maker as well. So that was one of our big things. Well, that's fantastic. Um, you know, I think it's uh, it's interesting to hear your perspective about how you were, you, you know, you, you claim to be naive and thinking that the teachers, that the faculty, the international faculty who, who you know, uh, I'm, I'm assuming like with a lot of international schools, you know, um, have been around the world. They've they've been through life. They know things. They've in, in, in many ways, a lot of us international education educators have experienced a lot of things that maybe our counterparts back home might not because of that kind of international perspective. But, um, you know, I know from my own experience, not something as, as, as grand as a plastic free campus, but um, I've been surprised over the years that the, the, the pushback and often apathy um, from colleagues um, when it comes to putting forward or trying to put forward environmental initiatives. And it's, 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 it's quite shocking. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you have people who pay lip service to things. They talk about it. They're, you know, they have a unit of inquiry sharing the plant with their class and they're like, look at this, we can do this and that. And then when that's done, they just kind of walk away and yeah. wipe their hands. Um, but, uh, but yeah, okay. So um, th- that's fantastic. Uh, we've, I think a lot of us have a lot to learn from, from that initiative. Now um, you also mentioned to me when we were kind of having a bit of a back and forth on Twitter about and I, I read a little bit about it on your website um, about this kitchen garden and there's bees. And I mean, I'm a beekeeper. So I hear that. I'm like, whoa, tell me about your bees. And I was wondering if you could let me know a little bit about the, the kind of gardening initiatives and whatnot that go on. All right. So so I can talk to you first about the garden. And I really think that I need to connect you with Amy and Neri okay. because they sure. are passionate gardeners. So we've had a little garden space, which was created a few years ago by one of our teachers who was also a passionate gardener. And in relation to your comment about, you know, the sustainability of these things, he moved on. He had a compost going. He had the garden going. He created a little sort of um, sitting area. He called it the contemplative garden. And it was just beautiful. He left. It kind of went a bit. So we now have another teacher and um, she has gardening club during the week, during recess. She was a bit overwhelmed. We, again, she's had to have meetings with our gardeners. So it's very important that the gardening club um, meets with our school gardeners, the maintenance guys, so that they know what we're doing. Otherwise they come along and they sort of just chop everything down. And that has happened before. Um, And there's also an after school gardening club but they work very closely together because it's a different person. The most important thing that we have, thing, human resource, is that Amy, who runs the garden, is a a very keen and knowledgeable gardener. She's British. One of the TAs, coincidentally also in kindergarten, who is from Cambodia, is also just, I mean, I don't know if you can say someone is a gifted gardener, but she is a gifted. Um, it's almost it's almost like she touches it, it will flourish. Wow. And she's from Cambodia. So she really understands the soil, understands the climate, understands what will and will not work here. Yeah. So the two of them together have created this amazing little garden. That's fantastic. Um, the last two years have been a little bit sad because obviously we've been online for most of it. Mm. Um, there was drama in the garden yesterday, actually. They had a lot of tomato 
tomatoes that had come out ready to ripen. And um, we discovered that someone had picked all the tomatoes. Oh, no. Oh, no. So there was drama in the garden yesterday. Yeah. But but, um, it's a beautiful garden. It has lots of herbs. Mm-hmm. It has at the moment tomatoes. I think it has um, like little mini aubergines. It okay. has okra growing, and we have a papaya tree and a mango tree and and a few other fruit trees there. Like mm-hmm. I say, I have to connect you with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Please do that, and and I'll get them on another episode of this podcast to talk about because it's really interesting. Um, one of the things that um, I kind of alluded to in some questions I sent you was that whole you know in. in you've you've answered that but when when you're coming from another uh country another climate um and you're trying to garden somewhere i've learned the hard way here now i'm in shenzhen which is subtropical not quite as hot as 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 phnom penh but it's a pretty hot place um it's you know right across i mean i can see hong kong territory from my you know bedroom window um so we're there but i mean i spent the last 10 years before that in like northern japan um, gardening, which is similar to Canada where I'm from. So I, I you know, I, I'm confident with my abilities in that climate. And then I moved here and it's just like, I kill everything. And then there's all this stuff that, all these things that kill everything I plant, you know, pests and bugs I've never seen of and heard of. And I, I, I spend so much time schooling myself now, trying to learn like what's happening here and what do I do about this? And I have to admit that after, you know, two well, three years now in Shenzhen, I'm still fumbling in the dark with gardening, but I keep going. Um, <laughs> I, I keep going. You need a neary. Yeah, exactly. She's exactly. Amazing. And that's one thing I don't have because, I mean, we've got some fantastic, wonderful local, you know, Chinese teaching assistants and whatnot, but none of them know anything about gardening. They're the ones that I work with. Um, you know, they just make a lot of jokes about how they're going to, and ironically enough, after we, <laughs> they're going to steal my vegetables. Um, <laughs> But none have. And I've just harvested a beautiful, oh, well, cu- we, I've got some beautiful cucumbers oh, wow. here. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. So, so um, we actually have a kitchen here. We have a learning hmm. kitchen. And the idea is that the children can actually harvest themselves and then go to the kitchen and, you know, use the, the herbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so there was, there, honestly, it was like drama, big alert. Someone stolen my tomatoes. Mm. It was very upsetting yesterday. Yeah, um, I but they've also, what they also have done, Amy and Neary, which is amazing, is they have ordered plants that will attract certain bugs and insects. So we have a butterfly garden and it's beautiful and it's full of butterflies mm. and lots of plants that keep the butterflies happy. However, you know, we've noticed some of the children will see a butterfly outside and they'll say, oh, Miss Liz, the butterflies escaped. You know, we're like, mm. <laughs> butterflies should actually be living outside of a butterfly garden. Um, so Amy and Neary have ordered quite a few plants to put be put all around the school and Wonderful. trees that will attract certain bugs and certain birds. Yeah. And um, they're, oh, they're both avid bird experts oh, as wonderful. well. So oh, you definitely need a meeting with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm a birder as well. I'm I'm just a general nature nerd. So I, we nature nerds need to unite and talk and share our nature nerd knowledge. Um, so I mean, uh, you know, with regards to those those different learning spaces, the butterfly garden, um, the 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 kitchen gar- I mean, kitchen garden, these places, um, how 
how do I know this is something I'm coming with off the cuff, but like as, as a different like year level teams at your school, I mean, I've, I've worked in PYP schools most of my career. I am at the moment. Um, so if, if it is a sharing the planet unit of inquiry or other units, how, how are teachers encouraged to use those spaces? Um, with those, those gardeners you've mentioned, do they do work um, with different teachers in different year levels and kind of guide them and help them? Absolutely. That's a really good question. Um, so what, what they do is the teachers, the, 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 the gardener teacher mm-hmm. will send an email out at the beginning of the year and just say, you know, which units will you want the garden? Okay. And I know when we did the POI review last year, there was, there, it was deliberately moved a couple of units so that they could use the garden at different times. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wanted the garden at the same time. And so we do have some ongoing areas, which are year long, like the herbs. Um, but then if the, the children with their unit want to mm. use it during that time, they need it at that time. So, yeah, it's actually quite a nice rotation. Wonderful. That's so cool. I, I, I recently had the opportunity, um, you know, making lemonade out of lemons, I suppose. Um, in the city of Shenzhen here, all kindergartens in the city were shut down because of COVID restrictions. So our, our, our year-level kindergarten was closed, and I'm a kindergarten teacher. So we were the only four teachers in the entire school of over 1,000 students doing online learning. Um, and, and we were doing some synchronous and asynchronous, but it did, and we were coming to work each day and doing it from school. Um, but it did afford me the opportunity to have a bit more of a free schedule than I normally would. So I was able to, uh, the grade three, uh, year level reached out to me and I was able to, um, do guided nature walks and birding tours of our campus with the grade three classes and that was really a, a fantastic experience um so I'm, I'm curious like with all these wonderful things that are happening um at uh, international school of phnom penh what are some of the takeaways that you're hoping the kids who go to ispp when when it's if for example if, if they're going to be rotated their families are rotated out of cambodia what are some of the takeaways you're hoping they get from these experiences and these different opportunities you're providing I suppose the biggest takeaway, so I, I, I'm working in the elementary, I'm the principal of the elementary school, mm. so they're young. But if I'm thinking about my elementary students, our elementary students rather, the biggest takeaway I think for them is that they they understand that they can make a difference. Mm. I think it sometimes feels a little bit hopeless for young children. As I said before, you know, they see something's wrong. And, you know, an eight-year-old will say, well, if plastic's not good for the environment, let's just ban it. You know, and and of course, that's not how the world works. And so I would hope the biggest takeaway is that they know that they can make a difference. Mm -hmm. And and I think that our children do feel that they do. They do have a voice in this school. So, yeah, I think that they know they can make a difference and that it's not just something that's isolated to ISPP. It's the world and that, you know, they can carry on. They can carry on in their next school. Yeah. That's that's and that's one of the beautiful things about, I suppose, students who are going to maybe continue on and the kind of IB path, um, you know, whether they're I know, like my own children, for example. I mean, you know, we were at one IB school and now here I am at Sheku International. They're at another IB school. And in time, you know, we will move on to somewhere else. And, um, you know, I hope that they also take away those valuable lessons from sharing the planet and how the world works and, and all of those wonderful things. Um, Yeah. So um, I want to 
just we'll wrap things up here. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time um, to share with uh, with me and the listeners um, a bit about the wonderful things that that are happening at the International School of Phnom Penh. And I'm going to share links to your website um, on uh, my Facebook page for this podcast and in the show notes of the podcast. Um, if anyone wanted to reach out to you, um, I know, for example, I, I met I met up with you on Twitter. How how can they how can they connect? Um, Twitter. Twitter is mm. always a good way. Yeah. And um, also, um, well, if they ask you, you can share my email. That's no okay. problem. But I will definitely connect you with Amy and Neri. Yeah, so I, I, as I said, I feel a bit of a fraud talking about gardening <laughs> when my family would laugh because they are all gardeners and there's me. Uh. <laughs> um, yes. And they can also talk to you about the beekeeping. And we might need your help because our queen bee, the last two queens have died. Ah, um, so we need some help with our bees. Those are so tricky, four... tricky ladies. I'm sure if it's a what do they call the, the the Asian honeybee? I'm 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 still learning. Apis serrana, the Asian honeybees. Those queens can be tricky. They um they they sometimes we've had a few escape. Um, <laughs> they just go. Yeah. And you know, where do they but go? It was really sad. So we harvested. We got some honey the first year. Yeah. And then during COVID, I mean, we have a beekeeper who looks, you know, he looks after our bees and our butterflies. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, the queen went and they all went. So yeah, we probably mm -hmm. need some help from you. <laughs> well, I can I can talk to my um, my co my colleague Chet, who was in episode three of this podcast. He's he's kind of my um, my beekeeping mentor um, as I'm learning going on my journey. But um, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. And um, so again, Liz, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well, again, I want to thank Liz for taking time to uh, stop by the Nature Talks podcast. Um, you heard where you can follow her, and I will put those links in the show notes, of course, for the Nature Talks podcast. Uh, for me, Kevin, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Mad for Maple. I'm there a lot. I've got a pretty big uh, Twitter. Um, I don't want to say presence. I just spent a lot of time on Twitter, but you can come on over there and follow me and join the conversation about environmental education. Of course, you can find me on Instagram at Shizen Wildlife. Shizen Wildlife. Shizen is the Japanese word for nature. So nature wildlife. And of course, please come on over and join the Nature Talks Facebook group. It's a closed group. You, uh, you, you find us, you click on the link in the show notes and I will let you in and you can join the conversation again about environmental education. So um, for all of you out there no matter where you are in the world thank you so much for uh, taking the time to stop by the podcast please share us with your educator friends your colleagues people you know on your social medias and all of that stuff and help us grow and of course in a place like apple Podcasts or google play wherever you find us please leave us a very favorable rating and of course write a review well, that is it for another episode of the Nature Talks podcast. My name's Kevin, and uh, no matter where you are, I hope you're happy, I hope you're healthy, and stay safe, everyone.